If you have your Bibles, I'd encourage you to take them. Turn with me to the Gospel of Mark, and we will be in chapter 14 this morning, introducing chapter 14. The first 11 verses will be our text um, as we look at what I call the woman that taught the world how to worship. An important reminder and challenge, Lord willing, um, for all of us, a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful day. The Lord has blessed us with. It is great to be in his house. Thank you, my brother Luke, for leading us. Uh, what I would like to do this morning is begin by reading the text in its entirety. Um, so if you want to follow along, Mark chapter 14, I'll pick it up in verse 1, read down through verse 11 before we have a word of prayer and dive into um, this truth. Mark chapter 14, verse 1. It was now two days before the Passover and the feast of unleavened bread. And the chief priests and the scribes were seeking how to arrest him by stealth and kill him. For they said, not during the feast, lest there be an uproar from the people. And while he was at Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, as he was reclining at table... A woman came with an alabaster flask of ointment of pure nard, very costly. And she broke the flask and poured it over his head. There were some who said to themselves indignantly, why was the ointment wasted like that? For this ointment could have been sold for more than 300 denarii and given to the poor. And they scolded her. But Jesus said, leave her alone. Why do you trouble her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. For you, for you always have the poor with you. And whenever you want, you can do good for them. But you will not always have me. She has done what she could. She has anointed my body beforehand for burial. And truly, I say to you, wherever the gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will be told in memory of her. Then Judas Iscariot, who was one of the twelve, went to the chief priests in order to betray him to them. And when they heard it, they were glad and promised to give him money. And he sought an opportunity to betray him. Would you bow your heads and pray with me as we dedicate our time to the Lord? Father, we are most grateful for your grace given to us another day to worship you. And Lord, that that. I would ask would be our focus that we would be reminded of the importance and the place of worship. We thank you, Lord, that, that in our own sinful condition, we were in many ways orphaned. We were hungry and homeless. And yet, Lord, you, you saw us. You, you came to us, you loved us, and you adopted us into your own family to be called 
your children. Father, as we acknowledge that truth, as we acknowledge the work that was accomplished through Jesus' death on the cross, Lord, we cannot help but just fall down on our faces before you. We thank you, Lord, that your love remains without any condition. Lord, we confess that in and of ourselves we race and wander far from you, and yet you patiently draw us back. I pray that this morning would be one of those times, Lord, that we hear you and see you and we fall before you. We love you. We thank you for this time. I would ask, Lord, that you please be with me. Uh, Use me however you see fit as a vessel. Uh, filled up by your spirit and poured out for your glory. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Okay, it's really verse 9, portion of that I want to direct your attention as we begin. It says this, wherever the gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, wherever the gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will be told in memory of her. Today we are looking at, and Lord willing, learning from a text that in a sense teaches how a woman, a particular woman, acted and worshipped sacrificially. What I find is amazing is that although this event occurred, if you think about it, more than two thousand years ago, we are still talking about her just as Jesus promised, predicted, and prophesied. We remember her. Welcome home, um, Chuck and Jan. I just saw you. Great to have you home. Um, have you ever given much thought? What will you be remembered for? Ever ponder on this? What, what would it be? Your, your voice, your smile, your laugh, your ability to tell a story? You'll be known for being a hard worker. Um, what will you be known for? Your dedication? Or you'll be known for what you are dedicated to? Will you be known and remembered for your kindness and your love and generosity? Or will you be known for your stinginess, your seriousness, or selfishness? I have to tell you, apart from the return of the Lord, we will what? Every single one of us will one day all be gone. A headstone will be chosen, a casket, a a vault, or, or perhaps an urn will be chosen. An obituary will be written. The average length I discovered this week for your obituary is 200 words. You can pay per line for more. It's not going to exceed 450 words. Your entire life will be reduced to 200 words. There will be a description written of you, the life that you have lived and the memory that you have left. A day or two after that, people will probably gather together and words will be spoken. Scriptures, Lord willing, will be read. A prayer will be said and your body will be lowered into 
the ground, or perhaps your ashes will be spread somewhere. People will then gather once again, and they will drink coffee and tea and sparkling punch, and they will eat those little finger sandwiches with the crust cut off of the edges with pink stuff inside. And there will be dialogue about the pink stuff. Is that, is that salmon or spam or a little combination of both? You realize that? That in a sense, people will go home and you will be no longer. But you will leave a memory. Let me tell you this. You have no choice. And you have no control about what other people will think. You have no choice. And you have no control about what other people say about you. Now, ultimately, we know that it's not really what people think or say about us that matters, especially for eternity. I read a good quote this This week from Shai Lin, he's a Christian hip-hop artist, and he says this. Craving human affirmation is a no-win proposition. Those who don't receive it are don't those who don't receive it are miserable, and those who do receive it only want more. It's interesting that it's not really about what man thinks, it's only and ultimately what God, the one who created you, it says in the Psalms, the one who knit you and formed you in your mother's womb. It's really about what he thinks about you that ultimately matters. What matters is God knowing whether or not you have accepted or rejected his son, which ultimately determines where you will spend eternity. Think about this tens of hundreds of thousands of millions upon millions of years, all based upon did you accept Or did you reject? Did you receive and believe and love and adore and obey and worship? Did you neglect his word and his truth? Jesus says it like this in Matthew chapter 7. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my father who is in heaven. And then will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Do you realize this? And there's moments like this, this day, it is most important for us to be known and ultimately remembered first and foremost as a worshiper of Jesus. We have a single goal. More than anything else, more, more important than anything that you have set for your objective that we are known and to be remembered first and foremost as a worshiper of Jesus. This, this text today, we turn the corner from Mark 13 to Mark chapter 14. Jesus moves from looking at the future and the many events we've talked about that will unfold. And he in a sense settles on the harsh realities that are before him at this very moment. He will soon be betrayed He will soon be rejected and beaten and ridiculed, nailed to the cross, but he will not stay dead. 
And we know these first two verses of Mark chapter 14 speak about this ever ongoing plot of the religious leaders. They just want to get rid of him. They just are sick of Jesus. He has been a thorn in their side. They want him dead. They want to kill him. But the timing is off. Apparently, um, you don't want to upset the crowd. So you have to be careful in the timing of when you're going to murder someone. And so they gave this great thought. They're putting together their own plan, but in all honesty, they are pawns. They are pawns in the hand of a powerful God who is carefully and precisely, meticulously unfurling his perfect plan. Jesus has not been anointed yet until this moment. So I want us to focus on, I want us to learn about this sacrificial giving, this pouring out of expensive perfume by a woman anointing Jesus and why Jesus himself commended her, what? As doing a beautiful thing. What a description. So much so that she will be remembered wherever the gospel is proclaimed in the whole world. Number one, the woman acts in adoration. We see this in verse three. The woman acts in adoration. A woman came with an alabaster flask of ointment of pure nard, very costly. She broke it and poured it over his head. It's interesting that Mark chapter 14, the author Mark or Matthew in 26 do not identify her. We don't know her name, but the gospel of John, John is like famous for naming names in chapter 12 says it is Mary. Now, we know that there are several Marys within the Bible, the mother of Jesus, Mary Magdalene. I believe that this Mary is the sister of Martha, the sister of Lazarus. It says here that Jesus was in the house of Simon the leper as he was reclining at table. Um, Be assured that this is Simon the leper no more. People would not be gathering in his home if he still had leprosy. Therefore, we know that this is one that Jesus has healed. But a reminder that what Jesus hangs with the unclean in many ways. And there's hope for you and I. Perhaps as an act of gratitude because he has been healed. It's been so long since he's had anyone over to his home that he opens up his home. And it says what? That they are reclining at at table. Now, this is a common practice, perhaps not in your home or my home, but people would actually be lying. It's very common even in the Middle East today, where they're eating on the floor. The table is set on the floor, and people would lean um, on one elbow, gathered around, and it was a long meal. It was all about being together talking, enjoying time and conversation. It was all about the experience more than the food. When we gather, it's all about the food. When they gather, it's about being with one another. An enjoyable evening together, but yet there still seems to be a a sense of heaviness in the air. For for the hour of Jesus' death, the sacrificial Passover lamb is nearing. It says that a woman, it says that she came with an alabaster flask. I want you to think of this flask 
as a, as a flask with a long neck. And she would break it. She broke it in burials. You'd oftentimes find, even in, 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 in excavations and digs, they would find these long-necked flasks that were used to anoint bodies. She broke the flask and poured it over his head. It was expensive, extremely expensive. It says an ointment of pure nard. Some would read spicknard or spikenard. It is an expensive perfume. You ladies or women who enjoy perfume, you know the difference between good perfume and bad perfume. Toilet water, they refer to it. And what? The expensive stuff. This was the expensive stuff, an aromatic amber-colored oil extracted from a root grown and imported from northern India or Nepal at the base of the Himalayas. It was used actually to anoint oftentimes the heads of Romans. The Gospel of John gives a little bit more indication in chapter 12. It says it was a pound of it. In, in liquid measure, it's about half of a liter. It's a large amount of expensive perfume. Now, now pouring perfume on someone is not as strange in that culture as we would think it in our culture. Remember, they lived in a hot, arid climate. This is before the days of deodorant. Forgive me for the um, bodily function comment. But what? It's hot and, and people sweat and perspire. And so it's an act of gracious kindness to the person, but it's also an act of gracious kindness to everyone around the person as well. And we see in this particular one, what? It's not a dab will do. But there is a large amount. This is beyond courtesy. This is what we would call lavish love. She poured it out. It would have literally dominated the entire place. A year's worth. Lavish love. Profound sacrificial Worship, it is a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful gesture. You know, we oftentimes read about you're to love the Lord your God with all of your heart and soul and mind and strength. Do you realize that this, this shows what it looks like to love with all? We see first this woman acts in adoration, but secondly, we see this reaction. The disciples, number two, react in indignation. Now, now, Mark is kind here. Um, he does not name names. In fact, he says that there were some, which perhaps there were some that agreed with the comment. But notice as well that it says some, not all. And we want to take note of that. Some said to themselves indignantly, why was the ointment wasted like that? Again, Matthew nor Mark indicate any name. But again, the Gospel of John in chapter 12, famous for naming names, gives a little more information on this. And he just calls it. Remember as well, the Gospel of John was written later. Matthew, Mark, Luke written probably 30, 40 AD. We think about John written closer to, to 70, 80 AD. And so John at this point just names it. John chapter 12, verses 4 through 5. But Judas Iscariot, one of the disciples, one of his disciples, he who was about to betray him said, why was this ointment not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? 
He said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. John just doesn't call him out by way of name. He calls him out. He's a crook. And having charged the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. John actually gives a lot of information here about this one Judas Iscariot. Apparently, the actions of this one was very upsetting to another one. Why? Because this perfume could have been sold, this is the bottom line, for 300 denarii. Now, on average... A person earned, a laborer earned one denarii a day, or denarius per day, which means you're looking at almost a year's worth of wages. It was so valued, <clears throat> some commentators actually suggested that this could have been something that this woman had inherited, that it was a family heirloom, in a sense, passed from generation to generation. In many ways, it could have been her security, a, a provision for the future. It was even at some measure or considered perhaps equivalent to a savings fund, just in case, or a retirement accounts. Yet at this particular moment, in this particular woman's life, in her spiritual journey, she had a reason to be grateful, and she wanted to express it. No doubt she knew her past, and she also knew uh, what her sins were forgiven. And now her future, her entire future was in her Savior's hands. And so we can almost picture it, and we can, can, can smell the aroma, the precious ointment. In a, in a moment of quiet, worshipful commitment, she wanted to give up something that was a precious, precious possession. You know, that's what worship is. Worship is what? I have oftentimes defined it as our response to God's goodness and grace. And it, it, can, it can happen in multitude of ways. And we know what? That it's important for every single one of us to come to the place of recognizing who Jesus is and what Jesus has done for us. I wonder about you this morning. Have you come to a place, truly, where you willingly say, Lord, it's, it's all I have, but I'm, I'm offering it back to you. Your, your gifts and talents, the genius that God has blessed you with, your, your opportunities or your education perhaps is as I once again sent my son off on another flight to the Middle East this week. Do, do, you, do you offer here? Here, Lord, they're yours. Your son, your daughter. You, in a sense, recognize what Jesus has done. So you offer your security. That what your extra savings for a rainy day, just in case. Have you come to a place where you're like, Lord, this is all I have. This is me. Have me, take me and do with me whatever you want. Sacrificial giving is an act of worship. And that's what this woman teaches us all about right here in this particular text. She what? she acts in adoration and the disciples, at least one of them, 
respond in indignation. And thirdly, Jesus responds in appreciation. Jesus said, leave her alone. In a sense, they're bullies picking on her. Leave her alone. The, the creator of the entire world comes to her defense. Why do you trouble her? She has done, and I love this, a beautiful thing. Not only does Jesus come to her defense, but he commends her. And he, and he what? He responds with a joyful, joyful appreciation. Now, there is no doubt, practically speaking, it, it doesn't make sense. Practically speaking, this is a lot of money that is poured out at that one moment. Practically speaking, it could have been sold and it could have been given to help the poor. But as I was reminded this week in my studies, it was given to the poor. Do you realize that? Because what, what, what does it say in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9? For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake, he became poor. So that, so that by his poverty, we might become rich. Realize in a sense that these people who are criticizing are sitting around doing nothing. And this woman actually gets it. She gets the big picture. This, this one woman, what? Very few people actually understood that Jesus Christ was on his way out. He was not going to be before them any longer. And that she understands the moment and she chooses to act graciously and sacrificially to anoint Jesus, the living. Anoint him while he's living for his soon to be coming burial. <clears throat> understanding this, understanding who Jesus is, who he is, understanding what Jesus has done for us died so that we can live, leads us to worship. I'm, I'm terrified at the moments that pass in a day or the days that pass in a week, the weeks that pass in a month, that we don't worship, that we don't recognize who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. In a sense, we, we can be very, very busy but we're not stopping to worship. I like the way that uh, MacArthur says, that pastor, author John MacArthur, he says, <clears throat> charity is good. Charity is necessary. But worship is always better. And true worship will lead to charity. You see how oftentimes we reverse it? We get so concerned with just, just do, just wi without what being. It actually says what this woman has done everything that she could. Whereas everyone else who's sitting around criticizing her have what apparently done nothing. Therefore, the reason that she is forever memorialized. More than 2000 years later, and we're still talking about her unselfish, sacrificial act of love, adoration, appreciation, and recognition. It is still used as an example of a true response of the one who became poor so that you and I 
can become rich. And we know the last two verses, what, of our text, verses 10 and 11, they set up the scene with the main character, Judas Iscariot. He's the one who apparently had the biggest problem with this woman's act of worship. Scurries off very quickly, kind of in the dark, to tell the religious leaders, the chief priests of Jesus' whereabouts. And he seals the deal to betray the Messiah, the Savior of the world. Mark doesn't tell us, but Matthew says that he does it for not just money, but for a certain amount of money, 30 pieces of silver. Apparently, we know that Judas's insatiable love of money far surpassed the love for his own Messiah. And, and I think about us. Such focus on achieving and on getting and on gaining that we live in and America is known for what? This insatiable hunger and longing and in all honesty, lusting after more gain. And we neglect the one who offered himself for us to be able to earn, to work, to live and to give. A couple lessons in closing. Let me give you this. We are to be more concerned about our savior than our service. I'm not, I'm not talking about, well, this, this excuses you from serving. I'm not talking about that. I guess I don't have to sign up to be there this Saturday at VBS. No, no, I'm not talking about that. But let's keep the proper things in view. Let's keep priorities in place. We are to be more concerned always about our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, more than our service. Secondly, we are to never hold back giving to God what he rightfully deserves. How, how many times do, do, do we give the little tiny bit that is left at the bottom? After we have played with or ate, after we have traveled, after we have enjoyed, after we have, and there's this little tiny bit and we're like, well, here you go. That, there you go. Thank you. Total, total opposite. We're not giving what he rightfully deserves. He rightfully deserves what? The very best from the very top. Thirdly, we should be reminded that every single day, this day, today, every day is an opportunity for us to be remembered first and foremost as a worshiper of Jesus. You will be remembered for something. Some, someone's going to write something I thought about this week you know I understand that when you etch words on a tombstone it's kind of expensive and so you have to really limit the words I don't think we're going to have like lots of things written about us on that little stone I thought I, I want three words the goal is three words he loved Jesus it's short. And yet, I think it's the most important thing. Let, let us as a church together, let you as an individual learn from this lady. What do you worship? Who do you worship? It's, it's important because what you worship and who you worship is going to be revealed. Let me leave you with a setting. We sang about it earlier in Revelation chapter 5. 
I love these few verses, and it describes this scene. Revelation chapter 5, verses 11, 12, and 13. Then I looked, and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders, the voice of many angels, numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. That, that is our prayer, that one day we will be numbered amongst those who are declaring only the Lamb of God. Jesus is worthy of our worship. Nothing else, nothing else comes close to that. Learn from this lady. Father, we love you. and We thank you for this reminder of how you've called us to live. Thank you for this act of sacrifice Help us, Lord, to allow the Spirit to examine our own lives and make the changes necessary so that we focus on you. In your name we pray. Amen.